0: Hi, everybody, welcome back to Mouth of the Far Side. This is George Dorbit. So, thanks for the feedback on the last episode, by the way. In August this year, I was doing a residency. Um, in Bill Drummond's curfew tour. Now, I mentioned Bill Drummond and the KLF and John Higgs um, in the last episode, so this is going to carry on from this, and hopefully this will flow. So whatever you're doing, hopefully, if you're catching up with the last episode, these will flow into each other. I'm going to recount my diary from the August where I spent in the curfew Tower built by Francis Turnley in, I think, the 18th or 19th century, as a kind of, like, a kind of, a, a tower to block, block like ruffians up in um and kind of became like a wee quirky residency in the center of the town that was then owned by bill drummond so i asked after coming up against walls of secretarial and admin and a bunch of different things i just went straight to bill drummond and said can i go he said yep where you go so i went down and this is my diary writings which i had intended to write every day and write copiously but Obviously I don't think I did But I wrote some cool stuff And you can start to see In the second week My mental health starts to slip And I'm basically just Ranting At the phone Which is a strange <laughs> Not even like Angry rant Just I haven't read it much But I'm not going to preempt anything I'm just going to jump straight in And then if there's anything I need to clarify at the end Or whatever We'll do that So uh We're going to go straight into My diary from August this year In Cushendal At the curfew Tour. So uh Thanks for joining us, sit down, have a beer, have a smoke, if you've done a wakey beaky and you're in work, even better, you've got the headphones in, just switch off, tune in, get into your flow, here we go. 2nd of August 2021, 10am, first day of the curfew tour. After all the stress and unpacking, I got here about lunchtime yesterday, with minimal bother and honestly I can't say it feels depressive or spooky. Maybe a little, but any place is spooky with the right mindset. Also, it's so close to the street it feels like the ghosts, may as well just shout out the front door to passers-by and constant traffic rather than allowing wait to disturb insomniac artists. I honestly, with respect to my ethereal brothers and sisters, I believe that usually the only ghosts are the ones that you bring with you. I don't feel like that's even the point of this trip. If there's any conjuring or manifestation done, it's going onto a fucking canvas. So I thought before I popped out for bacon and bread and a walk and a little explore, I'd mention the first two notable synchronicities of this trip. Regarding dreams and premonition, I'll get back to that in more detail. This whole trip appears to have been foreshadowed in a recurrent stress dream of mine, but I had a significant meeting in real life and the end of my dream. In the cafe I saw a woman I was convinced was a teacher from my old school, Alan Kearney. It turned out it was and my mind was blown thing is, on visiting the tower for the first time 12 days prior, I wondered aloud to my mum and a good friend of Mrs Kearney, cut from a similar cloth, if the guy who looks after the tower, uh, Zippy, who was related to her, as he is also called Kearney. No relation it turns out. But to mention her on my first day here, and randomly meet her on my first day staying here, was more than a little interesting. In primary one or two, she gave me a toffee for making a little blue whale out of plaster scene. I haven't spent much time pondering it, but working in isolation and an art residency is the place for for these kind of things. Working alone in my element to maybe earn myself some toffee. Maybe a little blue wheel make an appearance. I like the quote from the Hitchhiker's Guide about the wheel. That's a good idea already. So I'm just gonna read the quote from the Hitchhiker's Guide about the Wheel, if you don't mind me doing that. This is my first of many tangents, I assume. Another thing that got forgotten was the fact that against all probability a sperm whale had suddenly been called into existence several miles above the surface of an alien planet. And since this is not a naturally tenable position for a whale, this poor innocent creature had very little time to come to terms with its identity as a whale before it then had to come to terms with not being a whale anymore. Anyway. (laughs) The other coincidence was so deliberately strange it has me genuinely excited. I woke around 5.45am to feed the cat and considered Considered waking fully, but still tired, still sort of overwhelmed Went back to bed with a peppermint tea, a smoke and an All Them Witches album for a few hours That was nice <laughs> The town seemed to wake up fully around nine-ish, and so therefore did I The sounds of the street seemed to pull around the dungeon area and float upwards, which is comforting As any bangs, thumps, coughs are just easy dismissed as the prosaic urban sounds they often are It's just past 10 now, and the lower levels are alive with the sound of the street Um, It was a five-story place as well, so there was a dungeon that kind of was on the street, so you could hear all the noise going up. Anyway, Anyway, I woke in a slight haze, recollection mode, and thought how funny it was to have met Bill Saunders, my so-called tutor from Belfast Art College, uh, Ulster University. Then I realised I hadn't actually met him, but I dreamt it very vividly. He had even seemed to age appropriately, which would have put him about 80 years old. I had no such fondness for Mr Saunders as he did for Mrs Kearney. I dreamt I met two friendly young art students and they were interested in what I was doing. They mentioned Bill, and I knew instinctively they didn't ma- mean Bill Drummond, the gentleman who allowed me to stay here, but rather Bill Saunders, the guy who could well have put me off for art, off art for good 20 years ago in 2001-ish. I hated art college, he was a little grey man with little grey ideas and a little grey attitude to my art. He had an approach to nurturing the flowering talent of my peers, and I... It was less Alan Titch Marsh and more Morticia Adams. Snipping chunks of beautiful confidence off. Funny that in my dream, while slumbering in the house of Mr Drummond, it was Saunders that came to mind. Actually, the bed I slept in, I think, Bill Drummond had actually made as well, which was even funnier. It was Saunders that came to mind. Is there something to be said for people whose minds work similarly to my own, God help you, that the negative and destructive influences on our lives deserve a lot of credit too? The useless art teachers, the unsupportive friends, the... Unsupportive family, the bullies The ones who laid you down wrong, different paths They help shape this too I'm too hungry for a eureka moment right now So I'll be back, it was really good bacon by the way 1.24pm I've been here about 24 hours And there is an no undeniable magic about this area The history, the living history The psychogeography, the synchronicities The connections Zippy made a very Alan Moore observation In that everything can be connected in some way Or other to bit cushioned all even Oliver, i Bill Drummond. I'm standing up the cliffs a little. I had a brief conversation with some locals and caught up with my correspondences in a snatch of good phone signal. I made a lovely connection to the writer Selena Gordon and got her book on audiobook. It's actually true, I messaged her with a wee bit of signal and I says, uh, I've heard about your book, John Higgs had told me to get in touch. And, um, it was written, sorry, I digress It was written here and in the tower It's true, it's called Mrs. Death, Mrs. Death It was great, so I'm sitting listening to it in the audiobook With her voice reading the book to me in the tower That she wrote it in You know, finished it in So, yeah It was written here and in the tower That's a creative feedback loop waiting to happen Looking forward to absorbing the crops yielded under similar but different circumstances It's starting to rain, a gentle summery rain Not enough from. To drive me home for fear of a soaking, but more a gentle nudge. Maybe go indoors and absorb this for a little. Three weeks is plenty of time. Already considering going the full month. I'll explain why the 27th is in my head. Any KLF or Robert Anton Wilson fan will tell you should at least do to the 23rd. 3rd of August, 9.13am. am not too sure why I was writing times, but you know... Starting to get into my groove, nothing painted as of yet, quick dabble last night by the blazing fire was interesting, maybe having to go get this vaccination jab today has been looming over things, like I can't get started fully until the isolation has fully commenced. A little trickle of 4G data, it'll be 5G after today, has also counted as a distraction. I want total immersion, so a big walk and an enveloping audiobook like Jerusalem to get me into a state of magical thinking. When arriving somewhere new, even the most prosaic things seem novel. There was more to the tower than that, more to this town. Not the kind of intensity expected from my first go at painting in the tower, but that in itself was pointing me a certain way. had a few beers and a burger. The sea air definitely has me tired and my appetite is great, trying to toe the line between comfort and indulgence. i set a few goals, small simple ones, while I'm here. Swim in the sea is one, write a lot, and get some cool stories out of people. There's a woman nearby who's a spoken word artist. she maybe go meet her. Sippy mentioned the local historian, although one thing to be said for Ireland, is a good conversationalist, is usually both all the storyteller and historian you need. Uh-huh, which proved to be quite true. This is very purely Ireland. So untouched and untainted by ugly flags and painted curbstones. The only mural I've seen is of the local hurling team. It's almost utopian in ways, old and quaint and separate from the intense madness, the Belfast hour thick with ghosts and blood, or the bitter little staunch villages clogged with a heavy damp feeling of age-old hatred and fear. It feels like the real Ireland in many ways, not the bitter sectarian Ireland. None of that palaver here, and Ireland truly is amazing when it's left to be by itself. Climate change aside, the Mediterranean stealth heat wave of July 2021 made me realise there are a few better places in the world when the weather is good. I hope when you visit, the weather will be climate. Going to walk and think a little more. Get my 5G upgrade and reality check. I mean, there's no greater pig behind the curtain at this country like going between Cushendall and Balomena. Why anyone would want to live like that, bedecked in flags and soaked in crap beer with a big old twist of bitterness? To me some of the magic here is the lack of any of that concrete ignorance, just letting the country breathe. 6th of August, 1.53pm Woke up this morning for the first time, feeling like myself, that is, tired and a little grumpy. The first few days of this week were so jam packed with novelty and exploration I think I ended up a little burnt out. I haven't updated this as often as I intended to for fear of leaking ideas. The ideas are there, they're just in a slightly different form This place isn't full of demons and monsters Ironically those things come from comfort, safety The danger of being alone in an old tower means I don't want to humour such thoughts Being on edge with the pressure to create is a genuine real creature to be feared Were a ghost to introduce itself, I'd be inspired, excited and a lot less lonely it Might make for a good conversation A stranger is a friend you haven't met yet, whatever plane of existence they may be on Distractions, sporadic phone signal are almost a hindrance now. We'd love to ditch the phone for the rest of the trip in a way. Some artists from what I have seen have a strange relationship with traditional art, such as painting. In fact, I think an entire mindset is responsible for modern contemporary art disappearing up its own elitist arse. The art's hole. Some artist's relationship to paint, brushes and canvas baffles me, like being a Formula One driver who insists on running instead of driving, a boxer who thinks they're above punching, a builder who thinks bricks and mortar are passé. I'm not a traditionalist by any means, in fact my hard-to-label nature means I'm as much progressive as I am stuck in the comfy mud of nostalgia. But picking up sticks, seashells, etc, and saying it should be given the same pedestal as a long-nurtured painting strikes me as a blag. Maybe the danger of art is that it's still a job. Art. Work. It's a fun job, not some middle class movie idea of a job, office-y, conference-laden, jet-set drudge, but not being seen as an end-to-five grind, or some sort of rat race is pretty ignorant. If the applied talent or raw skill isn't there, I need to see work ethic. I need to see that it's come from days of churning thought. Not some last-minute art school coursework in because you were too busy hobnobbing and acting like an artist. Life and work, your life's work, your great work, your magnum opus. There's magic to bring from our art into our world. And there's things from our world to pour into art, to infuse and imbue your art. And I think even the most basic of art viewers can see this. Someone with eyes and a brain that's functioning in some way. It's not a secret club to like looking at things, remember that. Think of your favourite artist, there'll be big chunks of you in there, big soul crossovers. The madness of Van Gogh, the fire of Francis Bacon, the work ethic and scale of Iron Maiden, the ideas of Bill Drummond, the clear vivid images of pop art and pop culture, heavy metal, wrestling, these are all elements of a world I live in. This grey dusty stick in the corner of an empty room that you're trying to call art isn't going to impress anyone, is it? It's hardly fucking Duchamp, is it? The 20th century was a big deal. Lots of things happened. We need to speak louder than Neanderthals with sticks and beach debris. Nature tables. Nature tables are inspiring, They're rarely awe-inspiring. Like heavy metal, like horror, like punk, like extreme culture, like chaos. We must speak louder. We must speak louder. It's not that we don't have a place. Our place is here and our time is now. Just speak up. Change the conversation, change the rules. New ideas, new faith. Speak up. To be heard. Art as an idea is fucking gross. Nobody likes it or has had any time for it in their life. But they absorb movies and toys and music and games by the ton. And this is all applied art. But when they, the perceived masses, asterisk, a generalisation yes but sometimes necessary, buy art for their walls, it's some Ikea decorative stuff. Which isn't bad if you get it from Ikea. If you get it from galleries and artists who can bullshit a good game, I maybe have a few bridges you might be interested in looking at. Uh, say note, asterisk They, as in the perceived artless masses Isn't just a straw man concept The world is full of people who buy Adele and Ed Sheeran albums Think of that as a low tagline Or even a plimsoll line Between the devil's advocate and the deep blue sea Anyway you know what I mean by art, don't you? The image of Tracy Hammond's bed or Damien Hirst's Shark or some vaguely headline grabbing piece in a big white or grey room in London. Associate it with some praise or whatever. Something dull that makes everyone struggling to paint their first tenth or hundred portrait want to throw it in the fucking bin. And take a photo of the bin, fake your own death, reappear under a new persona as part of the London art Illuminati Cognociante, whatever the fuck sounds cool, and sell your photo of your bin or even better the actual bin. In, in a big white room, or a big grey room, in fucking London. It's always fucking London too. I'm not, I'm not in London, I'm not from London, most of us aren't. If you are good fucking luck to you, find a big white room, or grey, or black. You know the aesthetic to go for. You know it, have a half-attractive but vaguely genderless art student in shot too, looking completely ambivalent for perspective. Oh, uh, go to art college too, if you didn't, you're fucked. I wonder, should I just segue into a wee story I wrote about my time in art college? If you're interested, I wrote a wee story about my time in art college, but it's not finished, so... I might. (coughs) 9.34pm the same day. Your first weekend of a holiday is significant in some way I'll maybe elaborate on later. In short, the day I I leave this tower, I will cry tears, I never knew I could. I love it here. I love it here. 12th of August, 5.18pm What began as a friendly paint with Tom, my friendly Westy neighbour, ended up multiple paints, shots, and I still woke up drunk. A lovely unplanned session and lots of crack. Crack is a hard word to defend, but when you're having the crack, you know. I'd intended to write daily, thoroughly, but I remember I'm not a writer. I feel maybe the writing energy might sap some of the painting energy. Not time for a complete about turn just yet. Though I feel I could write and talk about this wee town for ages anyway. The arch coming along. Not quite as thick and fast as I prefer. Although it's hard not to get sidetracked and go for a walk or a pint or a chat. In fact even now I'm fighting the arch to head up to the furry hill again. It's called Tevera. Tevera. The furry folk ain't messing about. I had a distinctly difficult time getting up the bad side of the hill. It was barren and rough and rocky. It felt as though they didn't want me to come up. So maybe I'll ingratiate myself with them if I come up on the other side The site with their tree on There he goes, he's away with the furries There's no doubt in my mind that these are real and That he's not one bit of a doubt The name and the image are, yeah, it's a bit cheesy and frilly And a sort of derision Surely, the narrow or the weak minded But anyone who's ever told me of an encounter with the fae folk Has been so genuine I don't think it would serve an artist well Not to respect the influences as Influences is, the influence of our ethereal counterparts. I really do feel like going up now, having had delicious goat's cheese, chutney and crackers from Kearney's meat shop of wonders. Sitting in the living room of the tower, now devoid of most of my art and materials, the dungeon is so obviously the perfect place to work, I can feel a cosy strange energy there. This old lady, this tower, made of sandstone, 200 years old, has much less male and oppressive energy than I would have expected. I feared get outs and this is not your place. Horror cliches. Not one bit. The spookiest thing in this tower is probably the butterflies. Tortoiseshell butterflies, small tortoiseshell butterflies. Some gather in corners and they seem like they're dead. Their wings are all folded up and they're like black paper ashes and they sometimes awaken. I don't know if it's the lights or the heat, the sound of me moving about, and sometimes they give them a wee jiggle just to check. Sometimes they wake, sometimes they don't. Strange little things. Strange little furry-winged fellows. Are they old? Do they breed here? Are they in hibernation? Like, I'm not an entomologist, and I could probably Google them and become an expert in moments, as is our wont these days. But I don't think I will. I feel like these mysterious and pretty little things. They feel like familiars or the guardians of the tower. The old lady and her many eyes and ears, perhaps. My old lady of a tortoiseshell cat has had some boisterous fun fighting the occasional fluttering foe. Tomorrow my mum and Laura and the guards are coming. This week has been very lonely. The door has a sort of busy loneliness to it. You're basically in the middle of a crossroads and you can hear conversations in the street. You can watch people who don't know you're watching. Sometimes you glance up. Did I see a man in the window? Yes you did. And I fucking love being mistaken for a ghost. Simple pleasures. Cheese, cats, butterflies. The dark miasma that permeates a lot of my work is kind of clearer now. Less demonic, less haunted. I hope I can make the best art I can, and I will not take this chance for granted. 15th of August, 11.44pm. I'm sitting in the bath thinking about 1992, and the strange connection I just made. I remember my band, about 2007, being derided, let's say by a more pretentious band, as something from 1992. I took that as an accolade. 1982 was a bumper year for heavy metal, Iron Maiden, White Zombie and a bunch of decent albums still running on the fumes of the 80s. On one level at least I also love the strange, liminal, daglo shell suited clash between the 80s and the 90s, between the 20th and 21st centuries. And of course the KLF influence still pertains. It's hard not to adopt a slightly what would the KLF do approach. Drummond's a powerhouse of ideas and to me it's difficult and feeling receptive to ideas and influence to disregard that power. I suppose it's hard not to share a certain perspective when you've also used that same person's (laughs) bath. I could ask lots of questions of Mr Drummond, but I don't think that's how he operates. I remember when talking about the KLF book on that event, how frustrating it was to explain, and that was just me as a reader coming back to rediscover its relevance almost 30 years later. I can't imagine how many fucking questions that man's had to answer, so I guess I'll figure this out myself. Seems more like the point. Anyway, built Dead Fire Machine gun into the music business, top gods at top gods, top dogs at the nineteen ninety two Brit Awards. It is still to this day the most metal thing I've ever seen. Well it's still theatrics, the bullets were blanks, of course. Made a statement I don't think many metal bands have even made ever since. Stomp by that. This is ostensibly a pop band that a swanky awards do on BBC television, not a metal band at a metal festival with a metal audience. It's an echo chamber really, isn't it? Doing literally what Nailbomb wrote about, proud to commit commercial suicide. Nailbomb were very fucking metal, but even Max at his nastiest might have paled at the madness of that stunt. KLF and Extreme Noise Terror, I remember seeing it on the you remember 1992, give me a check, talking style shows. And actually first properly watched it on YouTube, because I really liked your man with the blonde hair. He had this cool growl. I'm not a big crust or Grind fan, but they do the wrong. say like Extreme Noise Terror. your man's voice is great. So after a few paints, myself and the wizard Dane, we went and recorded and busted out the shirty, shouty guitar vocals. And we got progressively drunker, more obscene, more angry, and it was pure catharsis in the spirit of the 17. Though it was recorded, I honestly see the value in just the doing of the music. Again, not intending to rehash or patronise ideas, but if you're a creative person who can't find a good jumping-off point from a person who for some reason I don't want to ask because I know inherently know the answer as to why you would buy the tar, among other things... Yeah, there's ideas and inspiration to be found the more you look. 16th of August, 12.07am. <laughs> I don't know why I must have stopped. I must have fell asleep in the bath or something. Sort of drifted off into Waffle there, that I may correct later. Or may not. One unpleasant side effect of the isolation in this tower is that the constant voices and noises from outside can sometimes make me a little distracted and anxious. But on the other hand... It's a fortified tower, so, you know, 6 of 1. I remember a saying relating to my enjoyment of walking graveyards. My dad would have said, it's not the dead you have to watch out for. Very true. My tendency to wander graveyards with the smoke comes from, well, isolation isolation, privacy, to have a fucking smoke. Um, and honestly, I don't recommend smoking cannabis in a graveyard enough. Do metal, cliche or no, it is a fun thing to do. The most psychedelic thought in my head about graveyards? Well, two separate thoughts, actually. As you come along the M1 in the Belfast past Milltown Cemetery, the streetlights give the headstones a kind of disco ball shimmer, a random reflective sparkle that actually looks quite cool, in spite of high ciliate sounds. It's one of those things that looks really good in setting lights, like looking over a town at night. Lovely. One vivid dream I remember as a kid, I'll say I was about six or seven, was of walking a dark and dismal trip with a parent to or from a relative's house. Could have been my dad. Could have been Paul Campbell. It had a distinctly Beachmount Falls Road vibe. Because one thing I clearly remember is looking through binoculars of a sort, maybe like Acto Ghostbusters goggles that Ray has, or those weird eighties viewfinder things that Luke Skywalker has, or those LCD games that you held up to your eyes like binoculars. In fact, that's a close description of what I saw. Imagine like an LCD wire great frame graveyard, eighties graphics, imagined by a dreaming child. Practical effects, man. Like a cross between the wireframe buildings and escape from New York and like Beetlejuice colors. The dreams of a child, man, recently kickstarted started in the overdrive by Saturday cartoons and video shops with those luscious multicoloured covers. Every cartoon rant didn't watch, even some of the girly ones like Jam and She They were pretty cool. Same as April O'Neill or Janine, when she put the pro. The pro- for- Same as April O'Neill or Janine when she put the proton pack on. Fuck, that's hard to say. Put the proton pack on. And remember. All Hills of Weaver. VHS video cover art was great. Bonus points for giant cases, holograms are glowing the dark lady up bits, even though the terrifying, pinky, and perky demon eye won't go fuck itself into the sea. The 80s nostalgia wave has now went on for longer than the cool part of the 80s. I remember in 2001, by, I was age 18, buying a VHS of the 80s claymation classic Trapdoor and the now nostalgic in itself Woolworths, double depth nostalgia. Kind of woman nostalgia though. It's masturbatory in a way. Like you can go to the same well-dog-eared, comfy memories too many times. Takes you out of the present. Too, too just too much. That and the fucking eighties Wonder Woman movie set in twenty twenty. with retro and back. Retro at this point. So, as you can tell by the fade out there, I clearly started to lose the plot. Um, I think about the the first few entries there were quite interesting and quite sort of matter of fact. And then sort of, I started to get into this real good zone with my art and with my thinking. But then I think towards the end, as you notice there, I just was waffling. Just, um, I was kind of like following trains of thought. And I think maybe that's sort of a bit too much sort of freedom mentally, which is a weird way to say it. But almost like my mind was just rambling and I had no one, no distractions at all at that point. And yeah, I don't even know what I was going on about there. I just, I think I was just tired and I don't know. You know what I mean? Uh, so yeah, I feel like uh, there was a lot there that was really interesting and worth um, revisiting. Uh, for example, talking about uh, like Miss Kearney and stuff. And um, I was in a bar and I met a fellow called Barry, and he was really nice. And I'm anyway, from Belfast. He's oh, and Turned out he knew my teacher, uh, Mister Dugan, who was um, who was a friend of uh, Samuel McNaughton, who owned the Lyric Bar. Uh, I remember he came to our school, you know, and gave us a, a talk and all. So, I was in talking. He went there; it was nice, and it was kind of strangely you know, again to use the word nostalgia, but it reminded me of like growing up um, when I went to school, you know, and sort of like our teacher was really into hurling and stuff and uh, cushion dolls. For people from Belfast, cushion doll is definitely a bit of a like like a fantasy dream world, as I said, about the whole pure Ireland thing. It's got um, none of the kind of angriness Maybe it does a bit. Maybe it does. It's sort of. Some of the people are a bit staunch and a bit backward. Um, I I couldn't understand that really. I mean, there, there's a lot of people up there just get on with their lives. But I remember meeting a guy who was really like bitter and sectarian, and I thought, mate, what's the point? You're you've won. You're living in cushion doll, mate. You're a winner. And then when I mentioned um, about this person to a number of people, everyone, ah, oh, he's the biggest dickhead in cushion So, shout out to the biggest dickhead in cushion You know who you are. Um also one of the nicest people in Kusendal was Mr. Zippy Zeppi Kearney. He he was he's the guy who used the key holder and he's a lovely fella. Really, really nice guy. Kind of reminded me of like um like a big cousin or like you know like, like one of your mates who would be always recommending you like good computer games. <laughs> um yeah he, he's good sort of we got to chat about a lot of different things. I I, I kinda of wish I'd have spent more time with him actually. He was, he was a very very interesting bloke. Um hope to oh, maybe get a paint with him. We're down to Johnny Joe's. So, uh, like I said, there's Selena Godden, I mentioned her, I was chatting to her recently, I've said, uh, Selena, I'm definitely writing a book, I um, don't know why, but I figure if I tell an author that I'm writing a book, she's going to hold me accountable to it, she's a lovely, lovely person, um, I've actually asked her at some point, could she maybe come on the podcast, and she said she might, um, I mentioned John Higgs as well, and I'm on the goal, on my goal here, um, maybe next year, or maybe before this year so is to get in touch with Mr Moore, and speak to him. Because I feel it's not below you to ever ask for help or guidance and that's kinda of what Bill did for me. Um I was lost in floundering and I needed something to push me to the next level and Bill Drummond gave me that chance. So I know I go on about Bill, I know I go on about the KLF and I know I imagine this tar. I'll probably do another episode, um, more of a I'll go into some more detail on stuff if you're interested. I just found it a very interesting place. I'd like to talk more about furries and uh, folklore. Uh, there was a video I posted up. Um, I'll post a few pictures when I when I post this episode. There was a video I posted up of me sitting. I called it my Silent Hill picture. And it was like this fog came down. I didn't realise that the fog was called Anfarlath, an Which is the grey man. Um, my Irish isn't really good. Anfarlath I think it is. And he's like, supposed to be, it's, it's kind of a Scottish you know, there's a lot of Scottish folklore crosses over with us, and say to the say of the grey man, he's, he's, like, personified by this, um, this fog, so there was this beautiful, beautiful fog down, and then, like I say, there was tivara which I'd love to, I'll just talk about furries, I think that'll be another episode, um, yeah, just before that, I'd been reading about Damien Ackles, uh, I'd been watching Damien Ackles' videos where he talked about, say, like, vampires and uh, furries and stuff like that, and stuff that, you know, is probably about cliche, and, um, as far as pop culture goes, but um, Ackles kind of explained furries as kind of like, they're just like us, on a, they're on a different plane of existence, they're on a, I think I said the word ethereal, um, and it sort of does, it goes up, and they're kind of our neighbours on this kind of astral plane, this ethereal plane, so... Yeah, I mean, that's it's as simple as that, I, just, I, you know, I, I don't want to turn around and go, I believe in furries, because as soon as you say you believe in furries, there's a saying, he's away with the furries. But I, um, yeah, I believe in a lot of stuff, and I, it's one of the exciting things as an artist is almost, like I said, what we can take from the world and put into our art, and what we can put into our art, or what we can take from our art and bring into the world. So... As rambling as that was I'm quite proud of some of the stuff I said, it was quite well written in places, Uh, pat in the back Mr Corbett, thanks Jared, no problem Jared, good lad, Um, I hope you've enjoyed episode 01, so this is us, Uh, this is the mouth of the far side proper, next episode give me feedback, I've got a few ideas for the next episode, if you didn't like the diary format, if you did like the diary format, whatever, it's Hopefully i will get you through your day. <laughs> Hopefully it'll get you through this hour or whatever we're spent on doing this. Um, I appreciate you listening, and yeah. I think that's everything. Do you know what, I think I'm going to keep this episode a wee bit shorter, just uh, less than the hour. Because I think the format of the diary, you know, it's enough. There's enough there that we can then, if you want me to elaborate or discuss more, because if I do, it'll be a super, super long po- podcast. Um, I think there's enough there for you. I hope you've enjoyed that. Um, shout out to, let me see, shout out to Zippy. Shout out to Barry Mullen. Um, I'll tag everybody in this. Yeah, everybody who was nice to me. Um, Tom and Mary who were up the street in cushioned dollar there. obviously, I don't know if they'll be listening to this like, but um, yeah. So I um, hope everybody is getting ready and enjoying Christmas. I've got another podcast on the way. Maybe do it around Christmas. Will I do a Christmas special? Oh, I don't know. I used to do Christmas specials on the podcast and they were fun. I remember interviewing Santa. I might put that one up, actually. I might redo my interview with Santa. So, um... <laughs> you're in for a treat, if I can find that. So, um, thanks everybody. I love yous. And, uh, thanks for listening to Mouth of the Far Side episode one. See you on the other side. Bye.